that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Andrew Gillis. It's Tuesday, which means it's time to talk Ohio State football recruiting. Buckeyes coming off a weekend of where well, they had a 20 to 12 win over Penn State, and there were a lot of kids here to see it. A lot of targets, a lot of recruits across multiple recruiting classes in town to watch that win north of 80 people. And that's commits, that's targets, that's everything you can think of. One of those guys here was an official visitor, though, maybe a, a, a later target in the process for Ohio State. Amaris Williams, number 142 player, the number 21 defensive lineman out of North Carolina, currently committed to Florida. Andrew, Ohio State right now has two defensive line commits, if I'm remembering that correctly. What are the chances of potentially flipping Amaris here and making it number three? Uh, Well, it's actually three. Um, You know, you have Justin Justin Scott, uh, Edric Houston, and then Eric Mensah. Um, that is true. They, I forgot about they, they got Mensa later. They flipped him from Virginia Tech. So there's three. Um, Williams is an interesting case because he's a current Florida commit. And from what you can kind of gather around everything else, there seems to be some legs to this. Um, you know, you just kind of look at the timeline here. You know, he commits to Florida over the summer. I mean, he's a kid from Clinton, North Carolina. So it is a Southern kid. Um, not from Florida, which I think does matter a little bit in this situation, but Ohio State offers him at the beginning of October, and then he gets on campus and is in a situation where, hey, look, this is the, I mean, this is the game that, um, you know, this is the game that you want everybody there for. So, you know, I think it's it's obviously a delicate situation whenever a kid is committed to another school. Um, you know, like for example, Ohio State had uh, Jamie French, 2025 five-star wide receiver. He's currently committed to Alabama there. Um, you know, sometimes kids just go because it's a, you know, hey, look, it's a fun weekend. Hey, it's a, um, you know, it's a fun weekend. It's a big game. It's a, you know, cool opportunity to kind of meet new people and meet kids in your situation. But this seems to be a little bit, oh, how do I say this? This seems to be, this seems to have a little bit more traction. Um, you know, I, I think that when you talk about what, oh, I, I'll put it like this, Ohio state has a shot. Like this isn't just a kid visits and Ohio state has, you know, Oh, like we're, you know, we'll maybe see. And then it kind of turns out after the fact that, you know what, maybe this kid's not really interested, or maybe there's some certain things that have to happen. Like Ohio state has a shot. So, I mean, getting him in the class would be obviously a very nice pull get a top 150 defensive lineman to go along with your two five-star defensive linemen. So, I mean, that would be a really outstanding play for, for Larry Johnson in the defensive line. But yeah, I I look at this situation. I don't see, um, I I don't want to put a gauge on it. I don't have a good feel for, you know, 50, 50, 80, 20. I I don't have a gauge on, on kind of where, where things sit with him, but I will say I, you know, Ohio state's like in this, this is, this is a very legitimate, you know, a, a very legitimate, um, you know, trying to this is very legitimate flip season, I'll say, you know, this is something that Ohio State definitely is in the cards for. And, um, you know, that I, I don't think that this is a, a ploy or a hat on the table type type situation. Amaris Williams definitely has a shot to attend Ohio State. So Ohio State has a number two class in the country right now behind Georgia. 
as you mentioned, they have three defensive linemen commits. That's Justin Scott, a five-star, Edric Houston, a five-star, and Edric Men- Eric Mensa, uh, maybe a lower-rated guy. But that's two ins. Right now, that's two edge guys. Clearly, and Eric Mensa, and then Edric Houston. He was in town a couple of weeks ago. He's clearly an edge from what I saw in person. I don't think that's a guy who maybe. He's going to play edge. I think I don't see that as I, maybe you thought coming into that before you saw him in person, this is a guy who might be able to play edge or on the interior. I think that's a clear edge for Ohio State. And then Justin Scott, obviously, who Andrew and Nathan Baird, they'll be out this Friday watching Justin Scott, the five-star defensive tackle play. He's clearly a defensive tackle. So adding a guy like Amaryllis Williams will maybe give you a second defensive tackle in this class to go along with the class, like I mentioned. Number two class in the country with 23 commits right now. Them and Georgia are the only two classes who are above that 300-point threshold. Number two in overall score and in all, number two in average star rating, which is 93.49. Andrew, one other guy I wanted to point out, and then you can just start listening off some other guys who maybe were important that were here. Devin Sanchez, this is in the 2025 class. And number six overall player, the top cornerback out of Texas. He camped over the summer. He looks the part. I've seen him in person. I've seen him camp. He looks the part of a five-star corner. He looks the part of a dude who's got first-round potential. I, I believe this was his first game on campus. I mean, does it get any better than what Ohio State's cornerbacks were able to do when you've got a five-star corner who it feels like you're starting to build momentum for here? Well, I, I think it's more than just the corners. Obviously, the corners matter, but I mean, when the entire defense completely shuts down uh, an entire offense like that, that is really impressive for for somebody. And I I just think, frankly, for for the defensive recruits, you know, everything that you kind of read and hear about is that, you know, this could not have gone better. You know, everything that you kind of hear and talk to people about is, is that, you know, in terms of what Ohio State did on the field, the atmosphere was about as good as it could have been. You know, the weather was fine. I know it rained a little bit, but the weather was fine. You beat a top 10 team at home. The crowd was into it. The crowd was loud. Um, you know, I know that, you know, that was a big emphasis for Ohio State to get the crowd into it. So, yeah, I mean, you look at kind of what this does for for Sanchez. And I, I think you kind of have to look at Ohio State as one of the favorites, if not the favorite right now, um, when it comes to Sanchez. Like, I know um, Sanchez, like he works out with Dorian Brew. Um, Dorian Brew is a five-star corner. If you'll remember, he was in Kettering. He moved down to Texas. I think Convoy? I, I, Con, I, I would have to look that up. Something with a C down in Texas. But they, they work together. They work out together. And, you know, those are two guys that Ohio State is interested in. Uh, Dorian Brew's mother ran track at Ohio State in the Athletic Hall of Fame. Like, there are some corners in this particular class, Sanchez being among them, but Dorian Brew as well. That are that are being pursued by Ohio State, and and you have to feel good about at least a handful of them for Ohio State, especially kind of what they've gotten in these last couple of classes. So yeah, Sanchez would be massive because again, this isn't just a oh look, this is a nice kid to add. You know, this is the 120th corner. Like this is a this is a kid who I mean, you turn on his huddle tape. This is a kid that looks ready to play college football and physically is ready to play college football. So. Yeah, I mean, you you have to be remarkably impressed with that, and I think um, I think Ohio State has to be feeling good where it's at with Sanchez for sure. Anybody else? Any other names amongst that eighty that you feel it's important to point out that were in town this past weekend? Well, Eli Lee was there. Um, you know, I went and saw him play on 
was Friday. Oh God, I always forget what day it is. Um, so I saw him play on Friday. Uh, he actually had a pick six in that game. Um, he was there, and he's one of those guys who you know he talks to. You know, we mentioned that Laurenitis has been really involved in his recruitment, and you know Knowles has been really involved as well. I, I it's just hard for me to see any other school topping Ohio State with Eli Lee. You don't want to put anybody on commit watch if they haven't hinted at it or said anything. I just frankly don't see how Ohio State doesn't land him, frankly. I, I, I just I mean, I look at I just look at a lot of different things of of um, you know, hey, look, this is a kid from Ohio. He's a linebacker who they have talked about as, hey, this is our future Tommy Eichenberg. Like this is we see the same traits in him. I, I for me, I just I think that that's really important because you're going to, again, I, I see this as a real, real favorite for Ohio state. Like that's a kid who I, I feel really confident is going to attend Ohio state. Um, then, you know, you've got some other guys, you know, the commits, uh, Jeremiah Smith was here, uh, big, he's the best player in the country in the 2024 class, the wide receiver. He was here. Um, you know, that's important to point out. Just that uh, you know he's he's back up in Columbus. He's a kid that again go turn on his go turn on his huddle tape. This is a kid who can genuinely play at Ohio State next year. He's he is remarkably good. Aaron Noland was here along with uh, Tavian St. Clair. So you have the quarterbacks in 2024 and 2025. Uh, I think Stephen and I were I think Stephen you were standing right next to me when we saw them kind of talking with some coaches on the field before the game. Um, you know they were in the end zone. So I mean you got one five star kid. One kid who's kind of rapidly ascending up the rankings, if you consider rapidly over these last couple of months with Tavian St. Clair. So both of Ohio State's quarterbacks in the 24 and 25 classes were here. Uh, Chris Henry Jr. attends a lot of games, too. I mean, obviously, that's a really easy thing for him from Cincinnati. Uh, I'm trying to think. Jamie French, I mentioned the Bama commit. Uh, Carter Lowe, the offensive tackle from Toledo. He was here as well. I think that uh, Ohio State is certainly one of his favorite schools right now. You know, we talked about him after I went and saw him. Michigan's considering him. He's a he he's a twenty five kid, and considering I mean, just I mean, listen back to our podcast where we talked about the offensive line and the offensive line recruiting. Having Carter Lowe in the twenty twenty five class that would be a really big deal. Um, Dalen McCutcheon, he's a wide receiver from Texas in the twenty five class. Number 105 overall. He's a kid who I think Ohio State is uh, is in decent shot for or decent shape for. Um, you know, you look at where he's at in the rankings and kind of see in 2025. You already have Javen Boggs can make a nice uh, nice second addition there. Um, you had Blake Woodby who just committed, and then you have Darian Smith, his teammate, defensive lineman out of St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. He's ranked number 455 in the 20. 25 class. That's a lot of numbers. Uh, 455 in the 25 class. So, you know, I think that, you know, when you look at guys who from powerhouse programs, I think that that matters. Um, you know, that's something that I, I really take interest in, you know, rather than taking guys that, you know, maybe play at a lower level of high school football. I mean, St. Francis Academy, just flip on ESPN every August. They will play on some major network playing some major team, not from the state of Maryland, they will play anyone and anywhere. So I think that, you know, you're getting a kid or you're looking at a kid rather with, with Smith, who has kind of gone up against some bigger names. Um, 
you know, 26. I was upset I didn't get to see uh, Sam Greer play. He's an offensive tackle from Hoban um, in Akron, number 69 overall in in the class. Excuse me. He uh, he's a big kid. Oh my goodness! I we were standing on the sideline and I looked at uh, one of our um, columnists on staff, Jimmy Watkins, and I kind of tapped at him and I kind of hinted. I said, "Look at look at that kid!" And he laughed and he goes. Yeah, I know what Big Ten offensive linemen look like, and that's one of them. Uh, this kid's six foot eight. He's a massive, massive, massive human being, and he's only a sophomore in high school, which is crazy that you can be six foot eight as a sophomore in high school. That's just wild to me. Uh, but he, he physically, he looks the part. He, he didn't play in that game. Um, he was battling an injury from Hoban and, and uh, St. Ed's on Friday, last Friday. So, you know, he's another guy. We talk about the offensive line. When you talk about the positions that Ohio State needs, we talk about the positions that Ohio State has not really recruited well over the last couple of years. He's the number 69 player in the country, top 100 kid at the offensive line position. That's a kid you want to get. Um, trying to think here. I, I, I'm running through lists here. I, I don't know. That was a lot of names. I don't know if I forgot anybody. Steven, did I forget anybody? Or anybody that you want to mention? Let's yeah, we can save the Javen Boggs discussion for when we get back from the break here because That's you talked fair. to Javen Boggs about I did. you know his commitment, his decision to commit to Ohio State, that journey from camping this summer to earning an offer to finally being a part of Ohio State's 2025 class. So we can get into that after the break here. I, I think that's a there are a lot of people here. So sign up for the text 614-350-3315. Andrew sends out that information there first before he puts it anywhere else, before we pod about it, before we write a post about it. We text about it first. So, yeah, let's let's take a break here. And then when we get back, we'll get into Javen Boggs, one of Ohio State's most recent commits and additions to his 2025 recruiting class. And we're back on Buckeye Talks. It means Andrew Gillis. And we're talking Javen Boggs, number 259 player, number 36 wide receiver. That's recent. He's already starting to make his way up the rankings here. He was a three-star recruit when he committed to Ohio State not that long ago. Andrew, you had a chance to talk with Javen Boggs. Like I said, the number three, 259 player, number 36 wide receiver out of Cocoa, Florida, 2025 recruit. Just what was that conversation? What did he have to say? What's he feeling like now that he is now a future Buckeye? Well, he feels good about it, obviously. Um, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, the coaching staff really sold him on was, I mean, the history of Ohio State wide receivers and and the talent that they're able to produce. I think at some point it kind of becomes self-fulfilling with, with Ohio State. It's just a machine. You can just say Ohio State receivers and and people kind of understand where you're coming from. Uh, one of the things that really impacted him a lot and, and one of the things that he really liked was that he, you had heard recruiting writers say it, like kind of national recruiting writers, people from Florida say it, people from all over kind of use this comparison of Jackson Smith and Jigba as a guy that they really compared him to. And I mean, you look at his size, he's six foot 188 right now. Obviously that can change. And, you know, we've said on this podcast before, Six foot 188 in high school is not the same as six foot 188 after a year or two in college, you know, after a year or two in a college strength and conditioning program. But, you know, that's where he's at right now as a high school junior. And that was something that he really liked was that he thought that they had a role for him. You know, he looked at this recruitment as this is a position that Ohio State has for me. And this is something that they know that they they see me in this type of mold and they see me 
in this type of, hey, look, this is what the level that I can reach to. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba just went in the first round. So anytime you go to a high school kid who's a junior and sit him down and talk to him and say, we think you're a lot like this guy and who that guy is just went in the first round. I think that that carries a lot of weight with the kid. So for him, he was really impressed by that. Um, he pulled the trigger pretty early. And I know that that is the source of some worry, maybe for fans, some questions for fans, especially when you're not talking about a kid from or from Ohio. You know, you see Florida on there and everybody goes, oh, no, you know, we just got a kid super early. Like, is he actually going to stick in the class? You know, I know some of our texters were worried about that right after he committed that, you know, we'll see if he signs. And I get it to some extent, you know, a class is never a class is never set until signing day, until you put pen to paper. But Javon Boggs is actually from Ohio. Um, you know, he has family from Ohio. So he grew up an Ohio State fan. You know, I, I talked to him on the phone a little bit, partially just partially for interest and then partially for my own sanity. I was worried that he wasn't going to remember the national championship, that he was too young. And he did remember the national championship. He talked, oh, yeah, when they beat Oregon, I, I, I remember that game. Yeah, you know, I remember they played Alabama and they played Oregon. And, uh, you know, he's talking about all these receivers that Ohio State used to have and kind of growing up an Ohio State fan. So I think that you have to feel pretty good about Ohio State here in terms of this sticking and this commitment sticking. So, you know, impressive kid, really nice kid to talk to. Uh, you watch his highlight tape. Kid can run. You know, kid's got, kid's got some speed to him. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it was a good conversation, I thought. You know, there's a lot to learn over the next, oh, I don't know, you know, year and a half-ish or so. Um, you know, it's it's important to remember that these kids are high school juniors and that a lot of these kids are going to uh, are going to play moving forward. You know, they're go away, Apple Watch. They're going to sorry you heard that. Uh, the uh, you know these these kids are not going to play in college for a handful of years. So I think one of the other things, the last thing I'll say about him, I watched his highlight tape and there's enough there and there's enough speed there where you think, okay. This is and and this might be way down on people's interest, especially considering receiver. There's enough speed there where you think special teams, and there's enough speed there, and there's enough talent there where you. I'm not just talking about like gunner or you know kickoff or I, I'm saying like he could be kick returner, punt returner type material. I think that that's an interesting play. So I'm curious to hear about uh, you know what kind of people think of that in the program and what he thinks of that moving forward. Just because I, I think that when you when you're talking about a kid who who can run like that. And who has the ability to kind of high point the ball and stuff like that. There are certain attributes that you just want him on the field for. And I think that special teams could be one of them. So yeah, uh, impressive kid. Feel good about his commitment to Ohio State. I think he does as well. He feels pretty set in it. Uh, and I think this is a uh, this is a kid who, we mentioned this on the pod when he committed, three-star kid. This is a kid who down the line, I do not envision, will be a four-star kid ranked number 259. I think it's going to go up. I don't. We we talked a lot, even on this pod, about the comparisons to Jackson Smith, the Jigba, yeah. and how you know Brian Hartline got in on Jackson early, really before even Texas schools were getting in on him, and he was ranked around the same place. And he obviously graduated a five star, and now he's a first round draft pick. Jackson was the guy when he got here. The first time we talked to him as an Ohio State football player, he brought up the name KJ Hill, and how that's the role they envisioned for him, being that slot guy who can who 
he's dominant at getting yards after the catch. And then we saw that play out in 2021. We didn't get to see it encore in 2022 because of injuries, but we saw how dangerous Jackson Smith to Jigba could be in the slot, especially in an offense who does value the slot a lot. The slot gets a lot of touches in this offense. We've seen that. The slot's led this team in catches for a lot of the last, you know, four or five, six, seven years here. But you said that you brought that Javen brought, brought that idea up. What about Jackson's game? Does he think is similar to him? Just kind of break down Javen's game and do they see him as a slot receiver and why? Yeah, well, you know, he mentioned the size. I think first off, you know, Javen isn't one of these. He's not Jeremiah Smith, who I actually asked him about. Um, you know, he mentioned he he mentioned how impressed he was with J, uh, Jeremiah, but you know, Javen is not six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. You know, he doesn't have this kind of body where he can just out physical people and you know go up and make you know contested catches in, in certain ways. Like, and and that I don't mean that as a negative there because there are things that he can do that you know maybe taller receivers, six foot five guys can't. Um, so he mentioned the body type. You know, he mentioned kind of uh, explosiveness in in short yarded situation or not short yarded situations, but kind of like shallow and intermediate routes, um, you know, kind of getting in and out of your breaks and things like that. Um, you know, when, when you talk about slot, that, that is a role that they have for him. So, you know, I, I looked at Javen, you know, looked at Javen, I was on the phone with him and I, and I kind of asked him, you know, does that comparison, like how, how much did that mean to you really? And, you know, he was like, look, we're, he's, he's another level, but I do think we're similar, you know, the deep threat aspect, you know, the, um, you know, they can do short plays, they can do, you know, they can do deep threats, they can do kind of intermediate stuff. He said yak, which I thought was interesting. You know, he said he mentioned that he was a really good yak receiver, that he could catch the ball and kind of make something happen after the fact. So yeah, they do see him in this role, kind of in that slot role. And I think that that, um, you know, that was something that he kind of really enjoyed that, that they saw him in and that he, I think he agreed with it, agreed with it as well, just kind of considering their play styles, you know, the way that they can make plays kind of in the shorter or intermediate or, you know, kind of down the field aspect of things. And I think that that's what really appealed to him as well. So let's transition to the other side. You brought up Eli Lee. As well, you went and saw him play on Friday night. You were at the Akron Hoban St. Ed's game, which Eli Lee is who you went to see, but he was not the only person there that Ohio State has a relationship with in any way, sense, or form. So let, let's start with Eli Lee, the number 380 player, a number 36 linebacker. The name Tommy Eichenberg has been thrown out there. And I mean, I get it. This is a kid from Northeast Ohio who is a three-star recruit, middle-of-the-road middle recruit who's a playing linebacker and is coming to Ohio State. And so it makes sense that, yeah, you throw Tommy Eichenberg out there. You've seen Tommy Eichenberg play, play, play football, and you've seen Eli Lee play football. Is there any merit to the he can be the next Tommy Eichenberg or he has a play style that's similar to Ohio State's starting captain linebacker who was a consensus second-team All-American last year? There is. Um, and And by the way, before I get into that, uh, that if you were a game, if if you wanted to see a game that had future college talent in it in Ohio, this was the one to go see. Uh, you mentioned Ohio State has some guys that we'll get into. Uh, there was a Notre Dame commit on the field from St. Ed's. There was a Tennessee commit on the field from Akron. Like there were, and there were kids all over the field that you just oh he's going here and he's going here and this is a top one fifty kid and this is a top two twenty kid. Unbelievable talent unbelievable game um very very just it was 14 to 7 and it was a game that 
frankly, Hoban didn't have all their players in and, you know, they were missing a couple of kids and I'm curious to see how that would happen if they would have been healthy. And I was really impressed at how kind of all these kids handled themselves and Eli Lee being one of them. Um, It's important to point out that St. Ed's has an offensive line that frankly has about the size of your average Mac school, right? Like the, the offensive line for these guys is absolutely unbelievable. Um, their let's see, their left and right tackle is, uh, are Deontay and Devonte Armstrong. They're both Ohio state commits six, seven, two ninety five, six, five, three Oh five Archer solstice, their center six, two, three Oh five. Their right guard, Sawyer Prementine, 6'3", 270. Their right tackle, a Michigan commit, Ben Roebuck, 6'8", 320. So St. Ed's has a huge offensive line, and I thought Eli Lee did a really nice job of identifying kind of behind that great wall of St. Ed's. Um, I thought he did a really good job of, of tracking the ball, and that's where I saw the comparison was that you look at Eli Lee, and he's he's 6'3", He's got a nose for the ball, and, and that, I think, was one of – that was the thing that just, just really, for me, impacted the way that I viewed him most. Wasn't the fastest guy on the field. Like he, he wasn't somebody who runs down a defender and you immediately notice, okay, this guy is top whatever – it's just every time you looked up, he's making a tackle. And every time you listen to the announcer, you would say, first on the scene for Hoban, linebacker Eli Lee. And it was it was borderline comical. There was a couple other recruiting writers there and a couple other, you know, it was a big game. So there were a lot of media there. And I remember looking at one of the recruiting writers that was there and I just kind of laughed. And I was like, wonder if you've heard his name tonight. Like e- Eli Lee was all over the place. And that's where I see the comparison was that, He's just got a nose for the ball. And and I know that's hard to quantify. And I know that's hard to describe to people who I'm assuming like 99.9% of this listening audience was not at that game. Uh, I understand that. But he was just there. He was always around the ball. He was always shooting right gaps. He was always making plays. He had a pick six in this game. You know, and it, it wasn't not to discredit it, but it wasn't one of those things where he jumped around in the right way. It was quarterback got hit, ball floated in the air, and he found himself underneath it and scored a touchdown. But you have the pick six, make a bunch of tackles, and behind that St. Ed's offensive line, and we'll get to the offensive line in a minute, and we can go back to Eli Lee when we get there. I was just really impressed with how he identified and and kind of the processing skills of a kid who's a junior in high school. That was what stood out to me the most. So let's talk about some of these offensive linemen. Yep. Let's start with Deontay Armstrong. Obviously, him and Devontae are twins, but I think yep. Deontay is the tackle and Devontae is the guard. Devontae Armstrong, the number 419 player, the number 33 offensive tackle. Just what were your impressions of a guy who he's had it, he's been committed for about nine months now, a little bit longer yep. than that, but the, what what, are, what were your impressions of him, and then what are your expectations based off what you saw for how quickly he can potentially get on the field at Ohio State? Uh, it's going to take a little bit, um, but I think athletic. Yeah, that was what kind of really stood out to me was that they were athletic. Uh, I liked the way that you know arm. I liked the way that he moved. 
Um, you know, I like the, frankly, Deontay and Devontae, it's going to be so hard to differentiate these guys over the years. Like they play next to each other, uh, on the offensive line. They do interviews together post game. They're always standing next to each other. They're always together. So it's going to be really hard, but I like the way Deontay and Devontae moved really. Um, I thought that what they did was, was impressive in the way that the, they can identify well and they can kind of move down the line well and make impressive blocks in, in that way. Just when you have that kind of size and you have that kind of quickness off the ball, I thought that that was what impressed me the most. Um, unfortunately, for my perspective uh, and for the things that I was kind of looking for, because again, I'm looking at four different four different players every play or trying to at least. Hoban kind of got smart in the second half or at least in the second quarter kind of into the end of the game. Ed, Ed's was kind of running the ball on him pretty well early in that game. And what Hoban did was Hoban started to undercut the line. And you just basically had your defensive lineman try to burrow underneath and create a log jam up front. And to their credit, it worked. Ed's went on a late uh, scoring drive in the game. I think they kind of figured some things out. So it was it is hard to uh, to kind of uh, evaluate an offensive line or offensive line men when every play they are trying we're trying to block a guy that's trying to take out your knees and you just have to fall on them basically because that's your only kind of course of option or course of action at that point. So I was still impressed though with with the size because it's one thing to be big, you know, God doesn't teach six seven. But you can move well with that size. And I thought that that was kind of the thing that I was really impressed with with those guys was that they moved well for their size. And yeah, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get to see I didn't get to see, frankly, a ton of it because because Archbishop Hoban did start to kind of undercut it and try to take away their advantage. Because, again, I listed you the size of that offensive line. That is the size of an offensive line of like. Western Michigan. <laughs> that is the size of an offensive line of a Mac school. And and this program really, really is good on the front on the front five. So yeah, for me, I, I think that Hoban did exactly what I would do. It was just kind of a little bit hard to evaluate when that is the end game and that is the goal for Hoban. But but still impressed with both of those kids for sure. Yeah, Devontae, the number four fifty-eight player, number twenty-nine interior offensive lineman. Uh, they've got a kid from Michigan committed on their offensive lineup there at yeah. St. Ed's, which, as you mentioned, they've got a the size of a Mac offensive, yeah, yeah. offensive line, which is, I mean, St. Ed's is a historically really good Ohio high school football program, so that's not all that shocking. Ben Roebuck, number 476 player, number 37 offensive tackle, did not earn an offer from Ohio State, camped a couple of times last summer. This is the summer of 2022. Never quite earned that offer. Ended up committing to Michigan in March. He's one of two. Ohio offensive linemen who are committed to Michigan. The other one, Luke Hamilton. What are your impressions of Ben Robach? And just based on you seeing him as a prospect, a high school prospect, because we're not going to know the actual answer to this question until four or five years from now, but do you think Ohio State maybe should have gotten it on Ben Robach? Or of the three, of Deontay, Devontae, and Ben Robach, do you get why? They got the Armstrong twins, but didn't necessarily be more aggressive in trying to get Ben Roebuck. I liked what I saw from Roebuck, frankly. Um, this is a, <laughs> and and Ohio State fans are gonna you're gonna shudder here a little bit. You looked at him and saw Michigan offensive linemen. You know, you saw 
guy that is going to put his hand in the dirt and play a physical brand of football. I know physical has been kind of a buzzword around Ohio State ever since the uh, Notre Dame game. Uh, so I don't want to talk too much about that. But, you know, Roebuck, to me, I, I was really – I I really like the Roebuck kid. Um, you know, he – again, the size is one thing. But, um, you know, just really powerful. Just a really, really, really powerful kid. Um, I am curious to see – I mean, it's – I think when you talk about Roebuck, here, like Ohio State had the chance, Right. Like Ohio State had the the shot to go to go look at him, and I mean they have two commits on the offensive line. It's not like they've never heard of this kid, um, you know. And there was a you know you there, I was looking this up before we talked. There was a story Ben Roebuck, or actually it was before the the game on Friday. Ben Roebuck said that an Ohio State offer would be you know a lifetime highlight, and this was from uh, 2022. This is Cleveland.com. Robert Fenbers, 2022, uh, March 25th. Like this is a this is a thing that Ohio State had the ability to go look at this kid and talk to him, and he would have been really interested in Ohio State. Not saying it would have ended up that way, but they had the shot. Like, and I want that clear that they had that ability to go look at him. They had the ability to get him on board and get him in the class if they tried and they didn't and they like the Armstrong twins better. So this is going to be an interesting couple of years here. Now we're not going to know as we were, I mean, we record this podcast Monday, October 23rd, later in the evening, it is the year 2023. We're not going to know until 2025 or six or seven. Like we're not going to know for a few years here over what kind of decision this made or what kind of decision this was. I also, kind of wonder like does he just fit Michigan's run style a little bit better I I, I'm curious to kind of I I wish I had a little bit more time to kind of watch them specifically obviously I wasn't watching Roebuck a ton I was more interested with the Armstrong twins but you know Roebuck he's a kid that Ohio State could have had and you know could have looked at at least at least more extensively than they did and and I'm curious to see how that recruitment would have gone if um if they didn't god that would have been such a great story for our purposes as as journalists if Ohio State had three commits from the same offensive line in the same class that would have been uh that would have been really fun but um I you know what's even more fun when we get to Michigan week and you can say hey Ohio State has a, there's an offensive line yeah. the Ohio State Michigan rivalry is living right now that's yeah I I agree and that's a fair point and um I I'm I'm curious if not you know, morbidly so, however you want to say it, I, I, I'm fascinated to see how this kind of turns out down the line with Roebuck. But I, I did like Roebuck from what I saw. The kid's powerful. He's got violent hands. Like you, you just kind of watch him block and he, he's got a violent punch early. And, and that was what I liked about him. Um, you know, that was kind of the characteristic that I saw from him and, and really what stood out to me when, when we first kind of first kind of impressions, that was what I got from Roebuck. So let's wrap things up with this. I did mention you're going to see Justin Scott on Friday night. You and Nathan will both be there at that game, the five-star recruit out of Chicago, Illinois. The, the, Ohio State plays Wisconsin this weekend, so but the travel plans are going to take Andrew and Nathan 
to Wisconsin, to Chicago first. I'm not going. I have to go to a wedding this weekend. But they'll be there. Number 12 player, number three defensive lineman in the country. Ohio State added him over the summer in July, which I think kind of shocked everybody for how that recruitment was going. Just what are you interested to know about Justin Scott? What are some things you plan on asking Justin Scott about on Friday night? Well, I, I want to hear how how interested other programs have remained. Um, you know, I know there was a bit of a mini freak out a couple of weeks ago. I don't, Stephen, help me out here. This, this was a, I forget a couple of weeks ago, he had Georgia gloves on. I don't remember when this was. Oh Maybe yeah. He wore some, he wore some Georgia gloves in the game and somebody put it on social media. Yeah, and it, it kind of, people kind of freaked. And, and I'm, I'm curious. I know this was a recruitment that, Looked to be going a lot of different ways. Um, early on, he was going to commit to Notre Dame in January of 2023. And then he backed off of a commitment date. And then all of a sudden he goes to visit Miami. And now all of a sudden Miami's in the lead. And then he goes to visit Michigan. And now all of a sudden Michigan's in the lead. And and there were, there were different times during this recruit. And then it was Georgia's in the lead. And you go through his recruitment. And it always kind of felt like somebody else was in the lead, basically depending on the week or the month. Like it, it always felt like the winds were blowing one different direction. And then Ohio State lands him, like you mentioned, out of nowhere. That was just a few weeks before I joined the beat. And but even I mean, I wasn't even following uh, recruitment like you were. And, and even I knew that he had committed to Ohio State. It was a big deal. So I'm curious to hear how much other programs have remained in touch with him if this is something where Georgia's still beating down the door Notre Dame Michigan Miami like how how involved are some of these other programs um I'm, I'm so I'm fat that's that's something I'm, I'm really curious about because I mean as crazy as it sounds because we're talking about games and we're talking about all this other kind of stuff and recruiting that was and recruits that were here uh signing day is in like two months you know, we're, we're, we're kind of heading down the home stretch. Like, you know, we're, we're getting close. And I, I, so I, I'm curious to see what his, the level of recruitment interest is from, from a lot of these other schools. I assume it's high, but I want to hear it from him. Um, you know, I want to talk to him about what, what his evolution is going to be. I know he started playing football a little bit later in his career, um, or later in his, his, his young life so far. So I want to know, like what kind of development plan has he kind of grown into this year in his last year of high school football before he gets to uh, before he gets to Ohio State? You know, I've kind of read a lot of different things. I've talked to a couple of different people that have said this is you, you look at a five star kid and you see, OK, this is this should be a first round pick in three or four years like this. This kid has the ability to be that first round pick. And, he, and I'm not saying he doesn't. He absolutely does. Like this is a ceiling of a kid that is going to be you know, or should be one of the better players in college football in his final year of college football, whenever that is. The thing that you do read and the thing that you do hear is that maybe this is a little bit more of a project than you might think of a five-star recruit. Like he's the 12th ranked recruit in the country. And you look at a lot of, you look at a lot of kids and say, oh, well, if you're the 12th ranked kid in the country, you should be pushing for starting position in in year one. You should absolutely see the field and you should be dominating in year two. And and I'm not sure, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm curious to see 
if that does happen. So I want to know what his evolution has been kind of from a technical standpoint. You know, how has he grown into playing a defensive line role where you're going to have to play at the highest level? You know, you're going to have to play schools that are really good now. I mean, you're, you're adding Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA. So I'm, I'm curious to hear about that. I, I, something I want to see from him, you hear about it. I mean, this kid, he's six foot four and 310 pounds. And while that's big and while that's huge for a high school kid or huge for anybody, really, you know, if you're that kind of big and that kind of strong, everybody talks about his quickness and everybody talks about his speed and his ability and his ability to bend and his ability to move. I don't know if you just saw the the highlight tape this past weekend. Uh, St. Ignatius put him in at fullback and handed him the ball and he scored the touchdown. Like this was some refrigerator Perry like level stuff and they handed him the ball and he scored in their final regular season game of the year. So they clearly trust him athletically. So I'm curious what happens in that regard, because again, six foot four as an interior guy is, you know, that's about right. Maybe a little on the tall, a little on the tall side, but I want to see that quickness in action. Like I want to see how he bends, how he, how he can get flexible, how he can, if you say get skinny, you know, when he pass rushes and things like that. Cause I think that that could, what that could be what gets him on the field, especially as you start to add some of these games, because if you got to play USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington, and you're playing a team that's trying to hurry up on you, this can be a guy who can get after the passer and can try to make things happen on the inside of the pocket. This isn't, you know, a defense. I, I, I think, we, I don't know if we talked about it or we talked about off the record or whatever, not off the record, but off the air where we were saying that there are some people who maybe want Justin Scott. I actually think this was a listener question. Now that I think about it, somebody said, should Ohio state go to a 34 and you look at the class, like Justin Scott doesn't have a nose in his, in his future. Like that's not who he is. He is a guy that can do, he does. I mean, he does physically have a nose. Physically, but speech. it's not. Yeah, I don't think that's where he can be. I don't. I don't think that's where his ceiling can be reached. Um, you know, I think his ceiling can be reached as that three tech. So we'll see. I. I I'm fascinated to see this because there's a lot of different things to talk about. His development, his recruitment, what Ohio State sees in him. How much does he keep up with Larry Johnson and kind of the rest of the staff? And you know, what kind of role do they envision for him? Because it feels like when you talk about Ohio State, just historically, look, they've had, I'm not saying they haven't had good interior linemen, but think, think of some of the best edge rushers that they've had and think, or excuse me, think about some of the best defensive linemen they've had over the last five to 10 years. And you think edge rusher, you think of the Bosa's, you think of Chase Young, um, you know, you could, I mean, JT's probably somewhere in that group in that next little tier. Like you think of some of these, you know, talented edge rushers that they've had. I think that Justin Scott could really be an impact guy on the interior. So there's a, there's a lot to discuss and there's a lot to talk about. And there's more than I did. I just said, I just think it's probably time for me to stop talking at this point. So I, uh, I I'm fascinated by a myriad of different things when I talk to Justin Scott on Friday. So Andrew and Nathan will be out there at St. Ignatius on Friday night. And then we'll be at Wisconsin for Saturday night as well watching ohio state versus wisconsin 7 30 kickoff on nbc both of them will be there sign up for the tech 614-350-3315 andrew will be texting off what happens on friday night and then both of them will be texting off of what happens on saturday night i might send a text but you know just giving some updates of what's going on at the wedding i'm at but listen nobody cares about that stuff anyway unless you do if you do you can let me know at 614-350-3315 Three three one five. That'll wrap up this recruiting pod. As you're listening to this, we're back at the Woody 
talking with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles as Ohio State prepares to play the Badgers and Luke Fickle on Saturday. So for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.